This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, you're listening to Pressing Matters, the show where we go behind the headlines and explore issues driving the press. I'm Shazana Mokhtar. Last week, former Prime Minister Datuk Sri Najib Razak reached a dead end in his SRC international trial after the federal court dismissed his appeal. He's currently serving a 12-year prison sentence and has been fined 210 million ringgit. That's five times the amount that was siphoned from SRC International. Today, I'm speaking to Heidi Azmi, Malaysia correspondent for the South China Morning Post, on his observations of the trial as well as the aftermath and what we can expect next. Heidi, good morning. Thanks for joining me. It's always good speaking with you. Hi, good morning, Shaz. Now, you've been following Najib's court case from the very beginning through the many twists and turns, especially in the final stretch of his appeal. Was there any doubt in your mind that his conviction would be upheld when the federal court proceedings began? Well, it's, it's a bit presumptive to say that I, <laughs> I, I believe that Najib would be found guilty still in federal court. But uh, looking at previous judgment by, by the High Court, the High Court came up with the extensive 801 pages uh, judgment on on case uh, that has been upheld by the by the Court of Appeal, and going in is like it, it would take a quite a, an interesting argument from from uh, Dr. Najib's side uh, for him to overturn that that uh, very strong judgment against him. So I was looking forward to see what, what they have to argue in, in this final final session. Let's talk about that because Najib Razak's defence team seemed to be in considerable disarray after longtime legal counsel Tansri Shafi Abdullah was discharged some two weeks before the final appeal and new lawyers were appointed. Do we know why Najib Razak made the decision to change his legal team at pretty much the 11th hour? In his own words, the new team was appointed by him because he wanted a fresh perspective into the, the case. He felt that uh, Tansri Shafi Abdullah, who have been with him since day one, you know, might be looking at the case uh, in one way, having seen it for 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 all the, all those times. He felt that you know it was in his best interest to get somebody new to um, to give this perspective that he wanted. He. In, in his statement to the press, he said that Dr. Ibrahim approached him uh, saying that he knows people who has expertise that could, you know, get Najib out of, of out of uh, his situation. Uh, and Dr. Najib felt that he ought to give that team a, uh, a chance to prove themselves. And therefore, he went with that. Okay, so there was a rationale of sorts in his seemingly last-minute decision. How did these changes affect his defense strategy? Because as the trial unfolded, it just seemed that um, the new team, what they were trying to do was really just to delay the trial to give them time to prepare. So basically, the new lawyer, uh, so Zay Ibrahim is the solicitor, uh, but he brought in renowned crime defense uh, lawyer Ishabte Sebote to defend Najib as the lead counsel. So it seems to us in the court that uh, they really were banking on the court giving them a postponement for them to prepare for the case uh, under the basis that they, they are a new team that was called in to replace Tashi Shavi. And when the court did not allow for them to have uh, that postponement that they asked for. They asked for up to four months postponement. Their whole uh, argument kind of fall apart. 
it, it appears that they were totally unprepared to to hear the case beyond asking for for the postponement. Mm. And there was another um element in the trial that I found uh, interesting in that Najib Razak's team tried to bring forth new evidence regarding the High Court judge, Justice Muhammad Nazlan. Um, what, why was this rejected by the federal court? The court said 15th of August until the 26th of August for the entirety of the appeal. That is nine days. But actually for the first two days, uh, the actual appeal was not heard yet because they were dealing with this uh, new evidence that the Najib's team tried to adduce. Um, so the whole argument with the new evidence is saying that uh, Justice Nazlan, who previously, before he joined the judiciary, was a legal counsel at Maybank, uh, is in a conflict of interest because uh, Maybank had some dealings with uh, 1MDB, 1MDB before. And uh, according to them, uh, were instrumental in the formation of uh, SRC International, uh, saying that the whole idea actually came from Maybank. So the court heard this argument and was were deciding on whether to allow it to be introduced as new evidence. But eventually, they feel that there's no merit to the new evidence. And therefore, it was rejected by, the, by them. All right. Maybe you can talk us through what was the atmosphere like during the trial, especially at the very beginning, I suppose, when hopes were still high on the part of uh, Najib supporters that um, things could go in his favour. Actually, when you started, it was... It was Rather quiet at the federal court. Uh, uh, the crowd that, that people see on, on the last day, uh, that only started on the last day. Before that, it was there were they were like a, a handful of uh, supporters uh, waiting for him outside the door. But aside from that, there weren't much sighting of supporters. The one that, uh, you know, Najib, whenever he goes to court, he has a, a group of people that are his usual Entourage. Some of them spoke to the press. They, they, they appear to be hopeful that, that Najib uh, might have a chance. Uh, then they would they believe that this this new evidence is is uh, you know the smoking gun that, that proves Najib is innocent. Were there any high profile faces in the crowd of supporters at, at court with him? Uh, maybe from the political scene or, or from within Amno or, or elsewhere? It's interesting that they, they weren't any. It is a stark difference from when the hearing started in the High Court. We often see uh, AMNO leaders coming in. Uh, we see that Hamidi is a regular face. Uh, Tom Hassan is quite often, he quite often comes. Uh, but at this stage at the Federal Court, uh, it was just Najib and his family members and some friends. It was only on the last day when, when the verdict was called, uh, we see uh, Zaid Hamidi, he was in the courtroom uh, along with Najib's family. And strangely enough, there was uh, Jamal Yunus um, at the end of the day. Uh, and I guess that was, uh, I think that's everybody in that, that game. Can you describe what you observed at the moment Chief Justice Tengku Maibuntuan Mat read out the court's decision? What were the reactions from people in the courtroom as well as the public? The shocking thing for us is actually not when when the verdict was, was read. Um, the shocking moment was when the Chief Justice announced that the verdict will be read on Tuesday itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of, overall, uh, people have an impression that the court is going to take a few weeks, maybe a month or so, to, to deliberate before returning a verdict. Because at the, at the time, it was already around 3.30 in, in the afternoon. And usually court it would just uh, rest at 4, 4.30. So we felt that 
it wasn't enough time for for a verdict that day. And before that, uh, the court spent the whole morning and afternoon uh, hearing about uh, yet another application from Najib's side. Uh, this one is to recuse the Chief Justice, uh, saying that she is somehow biased and influenced because of uh, her husband's uh, Facebook posting from 2018, which uh, he criticised Najib. So... When the court returned after after a long break to to deliberate on that, uh, Chief Justice read out um, her judgment on the recusal, which was rejected, and immediately after that she said that uh, okay now we will go into uh, the findings of the the actual appeal, and that just uh, that that was a bombshell that dropped the whole courtroom went like. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> So, but after she she announced that, um, Najib asked to to give a speech from from the dock. So Najib gave this uh prepared speech, a long prepared speech, where he again claims that he was unrepresented because you know his client his lawyer was not given time to uh to prepare the case, uh, and he again claimed that you know uh this is uh, unfair trial and all that, which you know the judge uh allowed him to to say that. But after that, the Chief Justice just went on and read the actual verdict. It was a 15 pages long. Um, it took her a while to read through it. But listening to it, uh, after like the first few minutes, it was abundantly clear where it was heading. Ultimately, the finding shows that the defense did not put a strong defense uh, and therefore there's no reason uh, why the High Court and Court of Appeal judgment uh, cannot stand. So therefore, the appeal was dismissed and the, the conviction was upheld. I'm speaking to Hadi Azmi, Malaysia correspondent with the South China Morning Post. More on the 1MDB trials after the break. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Pressing Matters on the Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar and with me today is Hadi Azmi, Malaysia correspondent for the South China Morning Post. We're discussing the conviction of Datuk Sri Najib Raza in the SRC International Trial by the Federal Court last week. There were allegations that um, the court verdict had been leaked prior to the Chief Justice reading it out in court. Did that have any impact on, I suppose, how people viewed the the decision? It was indeed leaked. Um, so while while the court was in break to deliberate, around two o'clock, we we found out that Roger Petra of uh, Malaysia Today actually posted a PDF document reportedly being the full judgment and actually we were following along based on that document just to see whether it's correct or not so it appears to be an actual leak from from the Chief Justice Office uh, but it was an earlier draft so there were parts which did not tally with the final one that she read and Najib actually pointed out about this leak in his speech saying that oh there's this leak that has been going around on social media the court owes him an answer why this happened um, and so basically he is questioning the integrity of the court uh, because the leak happened mm. so that's one of the I guess loose threads of what could happen next in this whole saga um, before we get there though I-, I am curious about how this sentence will impact UMNO. This is arguably the highest profile, well, I, I don't think arguably, it is the highest profile conviction and incarceration of an UMNO politician. How has UMNO been responding to these developments? They weren't really present during this uh, final appeal, but what do you see them doing moving forward? 
Yeah, so as much as Amno was not present at the final appeal, except for you know, Zed Hamidi coming on the last day, the, the day before the verdict on Monday, uh, we saw a lot of movement on uh, Amno's side. There was a emergency meeting call for the whole of uh, Amno leadership around the country to, to come to Kuala Lumpur for a meeting. Based on reports that we heard, uh, the meeting was for Amno to meet Prime Minister Ismail Sabri to reportedly try to interfere in the in the court proceeding to to give uh you know a respite for Najib. Uh, unfortunately we don't really know exactly what happened inside. Uh, it was all always closed door. Um, so these are all from sources report. After Najib was convicted, we see overwhelming support for Najib from Amno. For example, on 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 Saturday they had a massive gathering at the PWTC where they wholeheartedly announced their support for Najib and it was big banners of, uh, you know, uh, pray for Najib, you know, Hidup Bosku and all that. It appears from, from the outside that Amno is clearly wholeheartedly behind Najib and uh, fighting for his freedom. And of course, Zaid Hamidi himself has a, has a string of uh, criminal cases against him, uh, which ultimately is leading towards uh, towards a verdict soon. Of course, he claimed that what he's doing for Najib is, has nothing to do with his own court case, but people seem to think otherwise. But you know, we'll have to wait and see on that. So one thing that you've written about recently is public support for Najib Raza and how he and his team have actually managed to drum up um, public sympathy. Um, he, he's managed to create this group of people who are firmly behind him, despite the fact that he's never denied siphoning the money, I, I believe. I mean, I think his defense against it just seemed to hinge more on the fact that he was misled or the fact that um, uh, he didn't, you know, the trial procedures were in error. Why do you think he's managed to build up so much s- sympathy for his case? I guess there is clearly a disconnect of, of the narrative as to what happened in the case. Uh, there is one story that is being heard in the court and there is another story that is being played outside the court to, to the public. After the verdict, I wrote a story about Najib. So basically, because SMP is a regional newspaper, so um, not everybody who reads our paper know Malaysia as detailed as we do as Malaysians. So I have to give a broad outlook of, of the man himself because I think over the years, he has been reduced into a caricature of a criminal politician. Fami Reza has, has mocked him as a, as, a, as a clown. He has been reduced into sort of a caricature in that, in that sense. Uh, but it's important to see the man in his entirety. And he is for... A large group of, of the, the Malaysian population, particularly Malays uh, in the rural area. You know, Najib is this figure who is the son of Tun Razak, which, which has a lot of bearing on his own. You know, his father is this great statesman who died in office, you know, having dedicated his entire life for, for the country, you know, after May 13 and all that. So that is a heavy legacy that he inherited. And then he himself is an aristocrat. He's close to the Pahang Palace. He and the, the Agong has a good personal relationship that goes beyond office and titles. All this play into, into the psyche that, that this person is, you know. Some people find it hard to, to comprehend why a guy who 
seemingly has everything would be compelled to to death. This is based on what I heard from from supporters and people that I speak to. So he has the title of uh, Orang Kaya Pahang. He's one of the four Orang Kaya Pahang. And people people literally ask me like, why would an Orang Kaya who is already kaya need to steal more money? So it's it's a bit hard to to respond to that. Mm. And at this stage, what options does Najib Razak have to overturn his sentence? If Is he able to do that even though it's gone to the federal court? Yeah, so now there's no such thing as overturning his sentence. Uh, the sentence has been upheld all the way to the federal court, which is the final court of appeal in Malaysia. But what he could be trying to do now is, uh, of course, everybody is talking about a, a royal pardon. That is the conversation of today. But even for the federal court, where he could apply for a judicial review. Basically, he could try to get um, the other judges of the federal court to review the verdict made by these uh, five judges. There's no word whether he has filed that yet. I'm not sure. Um, on the other hand, yes, people are talking about him applying for a royal pardon. There are people who are pro this move and people who are against this move. Royal pardon is, of course, up entirely up to the Agong. It's his prerogative whether to grant it or not. We have seen it being granted to Anwar Ibrahim in 2018 after the election. So people are asking, no, if uh, Noah can get it, why can't Najib get it? But the arguments right now is from uh, what I've been hearing is people are saying that if, if even if the king were to pardon Najib, it's a bit early in the you know in the whole thing. He only has been in jail for a few days right now, compared to Anwar who has been in jail for like years at that point. He got his pardon. And I think another thing I've been thinking is just even if he does get a pardon for the SRC international case, the fact remains he's still facing other trials related to 1MDB, which we don't know the outcome of yet. I mean, we don't know what would happen in the remaining cases and whether he'd, he'd be able to win those or whether he'd be sentenced even further, right? Yes, yes that's, the, that's the conundrum that, that uh, I've, been, I've been talking to experts about that. Uh, so basically, it's like uh, Najib has five uh, court cases that he, he that he's been charged with. So SRC is the first one. One MDB, the actual one MDB hearing is in still in court. Still got a long way to go. Um, and then he got the one MDB audit case. And then he got the one with the uh, Iran Seriga. And, uh, and then he has another SRC case. Um, so five in total. And he's only found been found guilty and been tried for for the first one. Experts were saying that you know like if he gets a pardon for the first one and then he's found guilty for the second one then it's, it goes all over again, you know. So that is probably a question that a lot of people are asking. I think that is something that the palace is also, you know, thinking about if they were, if they are indeed uh, considering a pardon for Najib. Hmm. And final question then, Hadi, seeing as you write for a, an international publication, what do you make of how this story is being reported by foreign media? Najib's the whole... Criminal case has been widely seen by, monitored by by the international press, you know, because his fall from power came in 2018 and then he was convicted in 2020. And outside of Malaysia, people are asking, like, why why is he still out and about even after his conviction? So when the news finally came that he has been jailed, that I think that puts a finality to this whole thing. Um, basically, you know, in SMP, we have a very... <laughs> very vocal group of uh, of readers who read our uh, news 
And whenever Najib's uh, story come previously before he was before his incarceration, people do ask like, why is he still uh, out and about even after his conviction? Uh, what is the state of justice in Malaysia and all that? So when he was finally convicted, he was finally jailed. Uh, a lot of the readers were saying, you know, it brought faith back to to the Malaysia. Not just the Malaysian judiciary, but Malaysia as a whole. Uh, you know that 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 conviction proves that there is justice in Malaysia. That the judiciary is uh, independent and functioning. Uh, that uh, as much as people see that Malaysia has its problems, but the court system works, and you know people who are guilty of their crimes uh, has to pay uh, for their crime. That is you no know, one one way I've, I've been seeing it. All right, and let's hope that that perception holds in um, all the future trials related to 1MDB coming up. Hadi, thanks very much for speaking with me today. Thank you, Jazz. Always a pleasure. I've been speaking to Hadi Azmi, Malaysia correspondent with the South China Morning Post. This has been Pressing Matters on The Morning Run. Stay tuned for the 10 a.m. News Bulletin coming up next. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.